You're listening to DraftKings Network. We're totally right. not going to fuck this up. Oh, no. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. We are such rule followers. Such rule oh, followers. I love I love structure and rules. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan, and it is the best time of year, one of the most overused cliches in the entire hockey world. But here we are. Um, I am, of course, with the gorgeous, the stunning, the Bruins insidering. Sarah Sivian, who just, if you missed it, go back and listen, had, as always, an incredible cameo on the Dan Lebetard show. It's on YouTube. Check that out. I was shocked, Sarah. You got a little bit of a mini lecture from Dan Lebetard. How are you? (laughs) I know. I know. I'm rattled. He said, I can't keep saying, I don't know. And I don't even realize I do that. It's like when some people say like or literally, sometimes I say, I don't know, but have an opinion. So then I just kind of went off about my opinion that, yeah, I do think the Bruins are going to win the cup, but we'll get into all of that lovely stuff later. Uh, the the joy of someone having to tell Sarah Sivian to have an opinion <laughs> is, is just a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, we, of course, would not be too many men without the return of our gossip girl, Shayna Goldman. She's back. Shayna, say hi. Hi, I'm back. I'm ready to rip. I've been waiting for this return. And here we are. All big news. People keep See, asking. You're getting too big for your britches. Now you're saying more than just hi. You're breaking the rules left and I'm right. Breaking What's the going rules. On? I just want to clarify something. People are like, are you going to do this for playoff games and results? No, that's not how this works. I don't care who wins and loses games. This is about news and talking shit about decision making. That's all we care about. You care about who wins and loses. Don't even start with me. That's not true. All <laughs> right, my girl friends. Doesn't. All right, my friends. Let's get right into it because there is a ton to discuss. We are, of course, recording this on Monday. You'll get this on Tuesday, but we're giving you, just like everyone else in the freaking world, a look at the NHL playoffs. But before we do that, Sarah, what time is it? It's time for Bitto News. <laughs> news. Let's start with some of the most exciting news um, in what has become the internal grudge match in the evolving and egalitarian becoming world of women's hockey. The world tournament, uh, the world championship wrapped up on Sunday. It was, of course, USA, Canada. But let's be very clear. There was a lot of compelling hockey going on in the other matches. Um, Don't think that this is still just about USA and Canada. They did meet in the championship. Hillary Knight gets a hat trick. And yes, people, to be clear, that's why you throw hats on the ice when a player scores three goals. Saw some questions about that. Not really sure what that was about, but here we are. So Hillary Knight scores a hat trick and helps propel the U.S. to the gold. Shayna, you are our women's hockey expert. What stood out to you in terms of what Team USA was able to do after a disappointing showing against Canada in the last major tournament of not only just uh, the rivalry series, but also the Olympics? Yeah, it was it was a really good game. And like I know like the cl- cliche of like game of inches, it was that. There were momentum swings. It was so tightly matched throughout the entire game. But we learned a couple things like USA can move on, not move on, but USA can embrace the next wave of players to support the veteran core because we keep seeing more and more roster turnover. But we still have to respect 
the greatest Hillary Knight and how incredible she is. She hit 101 points at Worlds. She scored a hat trick to do it. She was the game changer. And it was so impressive to see that tying goal, how she was slamming her stick on the ice. She knew what she was going to do. And she really put the game on her back. And, um, you know, we were impressed by some of the risks, right? We know Canada embraces the power kill. USA with a five forward unit for a five on three power play was a risky play and it really paid off. So impressive win for USA in a big battle back in that third period. I also loved the swagger of Hillary Knight's Selly when she scores the third goal. She just raises her arm. Very cool. Like, yo, I got this. Sarah, I know you were traveling yesterday. Were you able to take in any of the women's uh, final game or any thoughts there? No, I'm happy U.S. won. But yeah, there's just been a lot going on the day before the playoffs for me. So I've had to kind of just focus on the playoff coverage and other things. Absolutely. Well, we're glad that you made it back to be with us. Uh, We have now... As is tradition this time of year, Bitto News is often about a lot of front office and behind the bench changes based on what a team did or didn't do in the regular season. As the postseason draws near, we'll have a lot more time to talk about who we think is going to take over for some of these spots. But let's just hit the high points of some people who will no longer be in the roles they were in. Let's start with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who basically cleaned house except for their coaches, which is another interesting commentary. Uh, Mike Sullivan stays, but the Penguins announced that they have relieved President of Hockey Operations Brian Burke, General Manager Ron Hextall, and Assistant General Manager Chris Pryor of their duties. That came after the Penguins, who were in control of their destiny, failed to make it into the season. We've talked about how they were limping in as it was, and we weren't even really sure this was a team we wanted to see in the postseason Sarah, did these front office moves surprise you in any way, or was this a step that was needed? Yeah, I mean, Hextall has been a very, very polarizing figure in Pittsburgh, and for a good reason. He really messed up. I mean, he did keep the band together of Malkin, Latang, and Crosby, but that's not good enough. You have to do that. And then figure out the goaltending, which has been, ever since Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray left, just kind of passive. Like, they haven't really sought out Anybody, they just were kind of like letting Tristan Jari and um, the other guy handle it. And then, which his name begins with a C, forget exactly who he is. We'll figure that out. But he's I just dismissed, think, but he's yes. not important. We don't need yeah, to care about exactly, him. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the other guy. But just some puzzling decisions when they already had like a cheat code in Crosby and Gensel. Like, just be better. Shayna, did anything surprise you about Pittsburgh's choices? Or are you surprised that Sullivan sustains while the front office, the rest of the leadership group, is is now gone? It's always an interesting decision when the team doesn't fire the coach. And sometimes it's a good thing because management can come in and say, hey, we want to keep our coaching staff. And I think with Sullivan, that could be particularly true because it did feel like Sullivan was pushing back against some of the decisions management made. And I think he's one of the better coaches. So I want to see what happens if a better, you know, management group can come in and kind of like work with him. But on the other hand, like it does suck if they intend to get rid of him, like a new management group might want to bring in their own coach, rightfully so. And it leaves the coach hanging and waiting and then they might miss out on opportunities. I think if Sullivan does get fired though, he'll be totally fine. It's not the same as some other circumstances, but it's, it's not the worst decision. I think keeping him because he actually is a pretty good coach. Um, is it surprising they fired management? No. The only thing surprising is going to be what direction they go in. I'm really interested to see if they actually build up their front office like they have for other teams that they own. But this had to happen. Like we all knew this was coming. It could have happened sooner. And the they, of course, the chain is referring to is Fenway Management Group that took over ownership of the Penguins. And it's been a 
ride so far um, as, as <laughs> we just record. was always bizarre from the front to the back. Like, why did they take over them? A hundred percent. All right. There was one other big front office change and it was announced Monday, right? As we were about to record. So we thank you for your timeliness, Calgary, but the flames and Brad tree living have mutually agreed to part ways. Don Maloney has been promoted to president of hockey operations and will also hold the position of interim general manager. And I've got to tell you, if you haven't seen the picture that accompanied this tweet and the press release, like, I feel like they're always throwing shade at these people. Like in this picture, Don Maloney looks like, what? So congratulations to him, I guess. But Sarah, I know you're a big fan of the mutually agreeing to part ways. Uh, Was this the right choice for Calgary? Yeah, definitely. Because when you don't know what to do, you put a lot of blame on the coach, which we definitely have. But at the same time, the coach is kind of his job to take the blame of what the GM has done or hasn't done. I think clearly, even though we were all disappointed in the Flames and they did make moves, sometimes being active isn't always the best thing. And these players, for whatever reason, just took a really long time to get it together. I mean, it's not his fault. Markstrom took a step back, but at the same time, I do think they need a fresh set of eyes to figure things out. I mean, I guess they're not getting one because they're just promoting somebody, but just for now. So we'll see. (laughs) Shane, I'll ask you the same question again. As of right now, the head coach still has his job, Daryl Sutter. And there were some interesting moments that we've talked about with him this season. Do you like that role staying consistent while the front office makes these changes? It's going to be a no for me. Um, I have been anti Daryl Sutter from the start. Uh, I think that he did some good things last year, but I think this year his coaching really, uh, it, it just, it, I think a coach's voice can get stale and it feels like his very much can. And also like the defense and the lack of offense and management did so much and this is what they got. So um, it's really interesting too. Cause like the flames, it feels the flames and the jets are the two teams with their management groups that it feels like they've been the most cautious and quiet over the years. And finally the flames do something and then a year later, it's like, well, we're done here. But it does feel like they could use a new direction and just someone to like spice things up a little bit. And that should happen between behind the bench as well. I think anybody new coming in would see that's a problem. I get the winning and the championship caliber and the name recognition. But like, let's face it, you know, if you're starting over, this feels like a coach to legitimately start over with. Let's move on then to the coaches who did unfortunately uh, end their tenure with their respective teams. I'm going to read out the list and I'm going to ask each of you to comment on the one that stands out most notably to you. The Blue Jackets did relieve Brad Larson um, of his duties after two seasons with Columbus. Anaheim says goodbye to Dallas Eakins. And Peter Laviolette and the Caps mutually parted ways. The Blues also fired two assistant coaches. And I have to laugh because an item we've had tabled on our agenda for forever was, is Peter Laviolette going to continue in Washington? And now we have our answer. But of those four changes, Columbus, Anaheim, Washington, and then St. Louis, Shana, which one is most interesting to you in terms of what happened and where the club goes now? Pick your top one. It's going to be the Capitals because it did feel like they were getting to this point again, another mutually, you know, parting ways, which is like a good way to like save face um, for the coach and for the team in a way, instead of firing someone. And obviously if their contract's up, like, what are you going to do? But it just feels like 
Peter Laviolette goes to teams and sometimes he's a fit to start. And then by the end of his tenure, he's not, which is kind of natural when you look at like the cycle of coaches, but it just felt like things really started to come to a head this year. And you saw the things about like Orloff not wanting to resign and then Orloff criticizing usage of, I think it was Alexiev. So that one stands out to me. And if I can add one note about another team without, they're not interesting, but I just think something to watch. Not interesting. (laughs) Look, they're the Blues. I don't like their head coaching situation. I I think that that's someone who's like worn out is welcome. I'm intrigued to see if he stays and the assistants change. I think we need to learn more about the impact of assistant coaches. The Devils are a good example of it. So if they change only the assistants, like for me, I'm just saying like, let's watch and see how that changes things or doesn't because I don't think in a lot of cases we do, we know enough about what assistants do. Sarah, which one of the changes stands out to you? Do you agree that it's Washington or are there other notes of interest in some of these firings or terminations? Laviolette, definitely. Uh, I've never liked him as a coach, honestly. And I, I the way he, well, I did back in the day, but I, I feel like you don't really fire like a tenured coach. So that's a little bit of a surprise, but I guess something went into that decision. I, I What can you do there, right? I'm not going to say the Caps season was a disappointment, but you just expect them to make the playoffs. So I don't know. It's just interesting to see which route all of these different management groups go to when they're doing their end of the season, disappointment sweep ups. And for you, Allison, uh, for me, um, I mean, I will now say, because you, you brought up the point of interest. I think that what intrigues me, I'll go with the blues because you're, I'm with you. Like, it's interesting to see that you say certain people are responsible, but not other people when there's so much connectedness between the points of responsibility And I think different head coaches handle assistant coaches roles uh, differently. But I think that that's a very intriguing look when you say, well, the people who support me in executing my vision aren't working, but I'm fine. Yeah. Like, are you only a people manager and they're purely tacticians and the tactics are wrong? Like what? It's like we don't really get to see it until that assistant becomes the head coach, which is what happened in Columbus. Right. But also Columbus, the roster was not. I mean, that's a whole nother ball of wax but they kept the wrong brad but that's a whole nother thing well no listen on a day when I'm people sorry. lose their jobs we don't no i'm not not i'm not we do love bradshaw situation. we do love bradshaw speaking of where bradshaw is now however uh usually we have to spend some time talking about the shit list but we are pleased to today on this eve or day of i guess of the playoffs beginning to bring you an anti shit list item and it comes courtesy of the Philadelphia Flyers head coach, none other than John Tortorella, who, as he has done historically through the years, he has been sitting up in the press box for some games this season. He's also known for bringing deserving parts of his staff out onto the bench for final games of the season. He did that in his last game in Columbus. But uh, as reported by Jordan Hall, uh, Justin Braun's father, Paul, was on the Flyers bench. Justin Braun was playing in his 842nd career game, and it was potentially and most believe will be his last. But what a really cool moment to say, I'm going to recognize the importance of this time for these humans. Um, We know the game ultimately doesn't matter. I just think this is another sneaky good move from a coach that we all like to laud, although sometimes he does misstep, but a good move here by John Tortorella. Sarah, what did you think when you saw that Torts did this for the Braun family? Yeah, he does a lot of like under the radar things, you know, like, and there's a reason why some of his former players have loved him so much. It's because yes, he is a hard ass, but then he has like a heart of gold. Shana, what'd you think? 
We stand yeah. torts. Yeah, a friend of the pod torts. Um, even if he doesn't know it yet. But like, <laughs> well, he's a friend of Allison, so therefore a friend of the pod. But mm-hmm. you know what? It, it's like this is a player he's only coached for a year or two. So it does impress me a little bit. This isn't someone he's had on other teams and known forever. Like if he did this with, say, someone like Ryan Callahan after coaching him for years, I'd be like, sure. Okay, totally clicks. But I, it just shows, I think, a way that he connects with this team differently. We all jump at the quotes and it's like, oh, they're all shit. Oh, I didn't find anything redeeming. And no one gives them a chance to you know, like go a little bit further. It's just like the little things like this that I do think matter. And it's why, you know, it's, I think it's part of the reason why he keeps getting jobs too. Everyone keeps asking questions. Like he tries things that are different and he does things, you know, to respect his players at times. So at times, at times, no, it's true. <laughs> well, though, because because he, does point, bench you know? he, he is like, it's a, a very interesting process that he has. It everyone is, will just is. point to the Duclair thing. I think it's so funny yeah. how many people continuously point to that Duclair situation of him calling him out in the media when they just don't look at the entire situation. And it's like, and that's not, I, I like Anthony Duclair as a player. It's just, yes, for I, sure. it, it's so easy for everyone to just jump down his throat instead of like watching the situation evolve, evolve to get to that point. Absolutely mm-hmm. agree. I love the point too, that this shows how he does invest in getting to know what's really going on with the, with the players that he coaches really cool moment there. All and right. Their dogs. So- we can't forget that <laughs> the respect for the dogs. <laughs> Here we go, my friends. It is time. We're going to rush through. This is the busiest, craziest time of year. It's also one of the best times of year to be on the West Coast because I will get to watch all the hockey and still be in bed at a reasonable hour in theory. But the playoffs kick off today, Monday the 17th. We're going to go through all eight series and we're going to try and do it a little differently because by now every podcast you listen to has done their dissection of who's going to win and why and this and that. But here's what we're going to do, my my friends. We're going to go series by series, and I'm going to ask each of you to comment on which part of the game you think is going to be most impactful to deciding the series. Your options are offense, defense, or goaltending. Are we ready to blaze through the NHL? Yeah, for sure. We're totally not going to fuck this up. Oh, no. (laughs) Never. Never. We are such rule followers, such rule oh, followers. I love I love structure and rules. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids, here we go. Um, in honor of Sarah's wonderful appearance on the Levitard show this morning, we're going to start in the East and we're going to start with a series that she is not only covering, but is near and dear to our Levitard family and friends. That is Florida versus Boston. Florida sneaks in. Alex Lyon has clawed their way back in. And now we get a report this morning, as Sarah already reported on the Levitard show, that there is a sickness working its way through the Boston locker room. Sarah, of our three options, what is going to be most significant in deciding this series? I already want to go against the rules and say people's small intestines because, oh my God, it's like Bergeron's out, Omar's out, but that has all the makings to be a very special game. If they win, then it kind of is emblematic of their whole season, but I digress. Goaltending, Omar needs to be Omar and set the stage for the rest of his playoffs. He's had an incredible, incredible regular season, but we all know it's a game of inches in the playoffs, especially for goaltenders and we haven't seen him in a playoff game before, have we? Yes. I don't think, yes. No. No. Okay. Unless he played it all last the... year. Did no, he I don't. Come in relief at all, maybe, but he did but not. Not like Buffalo. This. Not yeah. like yeah. this. Yeah. Not in he a never starter. starter. Yeah. yeah. So he has a big 
choose to fill. And then you have goaltending on the other side where, I mean, Lion has obviously clawed them back, claw the Panthers back. And now we have to see, is the happy-go-lucky thing going to work for them? What will they do if not? And what the hell is going to happen there? All right, Sheena, for you, what's most decisive? Defense. Um, the Panthers' strength is their offense. They are one of the best offensive generators in the league. They're one of the worst at finishing their chances. Now you have to get through Boston's defense, which is the best in the league at even strength, and they have a perfect pe- penalty kill. I feel like we can't forget that, and we we saw how deflating the power play was for the Panthers last year. So if the Panthers can't cut through that defense, that's going to be the problem for them before they even get to goaltending. And then on the flip side, you have the Panthers with one of the worst defenses of the postseason. Um, They're different from last year. They're not playing the same run and gun style, but Boston has an elite offense and Panthers goaltending might be shaky. So I think defense is going to be the difference. What about you, Allison? Well, I am going to go with, I'm actually going to go with Sarah. I'm going to go with goaltending. I think that these are tests for players who have been huge parts of their team. And this is when we have that cliche of everything wipes away from the regular season. And we see what you do when the pressure is on Sarah, who is your pick to win this series and how many games does it take? Bruins in five. And I know I've been really high on the Panthers getting in, but the Bruins are just too damn good. Shayna? Boston in six. Okay. I am going to go Boston in five also. All right. Let's move on. Carolina Islanders. Sarah, this is just the Sarah Sivian start to the show. Uh, Carolina Islanders is another series that you were talking with uh, the Levitard show about. This is a team that you know excessively well in Carolina, even though it's evolved um, since you last covered them. What of the three elements that we have is going to be most impactful to this series? Carolina Islanders, go. Goaltending. I mean, Carolina is starting with Ranta, who I love him and I wish him the best, but that's, you got Freddie Anderson. He has taken a step back this season. So I get the decision, but Anderson is somebody that gets in his head. So I think not giving him the game one nod, it's like, okay, be prepared to not be able to go back to him then. And I do think Coach Atkoff will end up being the guy there. They do have some options. So maybe start with Ranta and then have Coach Atkoff get ready. But then you got Sorokin on the other end. This is just, I, I I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Dana, your pick. Offense. Um, I think these two teams are actually kind of evenly matched defensively, and then the goaltending could be the difference. But the thing is, like, these are two teams that play that chip and chase, grind it down, forechecking style of play that we know goes well in the playoffs. So you have two teams that are, like, built to thrive in the postseason. So it's a matter of who's going to get by with more offense. The Canes are going to have a tougher time against the Islanders' goaltending, while the Islanders have less offense to go around to get through the Canes' defense. And the Islanders have a healthy forward group for the first time. You know, when they got Horvat, they had Barzell. He got hurt. They brought in Engvall. They never had it all put together. So now they do. I am also going to go offense, but I'm going to go more so from a point of concern because obviously Svech is out for the Hurricanes. I've been on record as not liking how they've wrapped up this season. There was not a lot of goal production coming from them. And as we've talked about, they're going to need that to break through the Islanders goaltending. So I'm going to go offense because I want to see if Carolina can still produce it at this point. Sarah, your series prediction for Carolina Islanders and number of games. Games in five. Games in five. Shayna. Islanders in six. Ooh, I. Interesting. I, I've, I've had like three brackets Ooh. and I've changed it every single time. Like it's I know, just I know. shits and giggles. This is the one series I haven't really changed. Like I, the second I saw the matchup and yeah, the Canes always kick the crap out of the Islanders in the regular season too. I don't think it fucking matters. 
but you pick the islands. Yeah, but they swept them in the. I know. Playoffs, I, that's what I'm you, saying. You like that doesn't matter. It do, I don't think. I think you get to the playoffs and the Islanders are a team you don't want to match up against. Fine, no, I'm going to go Carolina them in, the playoffs in six. Before I'm going oh, Carolina yeah. in six. They had the sweep and then reverse sweep. Yeah. All right, here we go. Next series in the East. Shayna, you're up first since this is happening in your backyard, and I know you are passionate about this one, although you don't care who wins. So supposedly, Rangers, <laughs> Devils, what's the biggest deciding factor in this series for you? It's going to be offense again. Um, it's because the Devils are playing a style that we don't know is going to work in the playoffs, right? Can they play their rush-based style, especially the fact that they're inexperienced? If they get bogged down, are they going to change their ways and then just completely throw away everything that made them successful in the regular season? And can they play that style and then beat Chesterkin versus the Rangers, who have the offensive edge on the power play by far, but a five-on-five aren't nearly as good. And, you know, it, it's they have a tougher defense to go through but worse goaltending. So I think that might be like the big difference right there, especially with the devil's resilience. We know that when they're down in games, they tend to just come back and, you know, strike back offensively. And when they're ahead of in games, they're really good at running away in it. Sarah Rangers devils. What is going to be most impactful offense, defense, or goaltending offense, these power plays. Are you kidding me? You got Patrick Kane and Tarasenko for a reason. They better perform on the power play. Short and That's sweet. That's it. Drop there the it mic. Is. That's literally <laughs> it. Like, okay, let's see what they can do. I am, for all of the reasons that you both have made, going to then flip to be different and say defense to see who can keep the other quiet. I think particularly with the Devils and that young gun, fast, fast, fast game that they play and all the motivation and all the narratives of these two teams being so close together. I think it, it would be very easy for a team's defensive game to get loose. And this just becomes a track meet. And so I'd like to see defense respond and control the other team and win the series out right the right way with a complete game. Sarah, who wins this series and how many games? Devils in seven. Ooh, Shayna? Rangers in seven. Oh, it's going I, to seven no matter what. And we yeah, all know I, it. I think I'm, the experience takes over once you get to seven. I think it's. It's the experienced team with the with the players who have you know like the I never go for that kind of thing and I'm like that's the difference and goaltending. All right, yeah, I'm but there's go- brothers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh the my god, did you see how great the first NHL goal for Luke? Yes. Time game winner assisted by his brother. Such a great like- little narrative. I love it. I love it. I'm gonna go Devils in seven. Devils in seven. All right, here we go. Our final Eastern matchup. You knew we couldn't stay away for long. Sarah, <laughs> is this, how does how this, this affect, affect the leaves? <laughs> Tampa Bay at Toronto. This is not the Tampa Bay team we're used to seeing, but it still is Tampa Bay. Can Toronto finally do it? Which aspect of the game decides this series for you? Offense. I think you have to get it past Vasilevsky and it's just been so problematic in the playoffs in the past for this Leafs team. Matthews isn't having his best season and you need some people to step up and figure it out. Love that. Shayna, your take. It is going to be about goaltending. Um, I think last year we saw that be the difference. It doesn't matter if Vasilevsky is having like a below average regular season when the playoffs roll around, he is the best around. Um, And last year we saw that be the difference in game six and seven, like the Leafs had so many shots and it just felt like they couldn't finish their chances and it really got in their heads. And when you look at it, you know, the Leafs have Samson off. If he deals with any sort of injury, they're going to be in trouble versus 
you know, a Tampa Bay Lightning team that is not at their best. And I think Vasilevsky's had his toughest workload yet, and he's performed with his best season to date. So that does impress me a lot. Um, and when push comes to shove, you know, in his last, what is it, like eight elimination games, I think it is, with the last one being the Eastern Conference final last year, he has like 17 goals saved above expected. He's allowed just two goals against. Like, this is someone like that do or die. I think that's the edge for Tampa here. I am also going to go with goaltending because while I know that Sarah's choice of offense is based in sound analysis, I'm so sick of the narrative that's the lazy version of, oh, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews all suck and they clench when they clench all up when they have to go into the postseason. I'm sick of that narrative. So I'm going mm. to go goaltending also. And particularly on Toronto's side, there's so many questions and People are talking about it, but I can't believe people are not like screaming and waving their hands in anxiety over it. Like this is insane. They don't even have like a reliable NHL proven goaltender that's healthy to do this. So that is going to be my pick. All right. Shayna, Tampa Bay or Toronto and in how many games? This is the one I've gone back and forth on the most. Two of my dogs went lightning. One dog went the Leafs, but she really doesn't know what she's doing. So I'm going to have to go with the veterans. Duke and Kona both said the Leafs in uh, the Leafs. I'm sorry, the lightning in seven. And I have to go with them. Okay. Sarah? Leafs in four. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. I think. I that think is, this is a perfect take. time. I think this is the Would perfect time. Would you imagine time this lightning it. team, the last time they got swept, it was to the Blue Jackets, mm-hmm. who beat exactly too, like, Exactly. They can Shane and Dan would be so proud of your certainty. He would <laughs> this is this is the art of the take as he was educating <laughs> you and you've learned it immediately. Yeah. Exactly. Right. right now. I'm gonna go Tampa Bay in six. If the Leafs win in four, Drake doesn't have a chance to fuck it up after game five. So maybe you have a point there. No, I just think if they are going to win the series, it's going to be in four or five games because they're not. It can't, they it it can't linger, go to seven. We know what style. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Let's swing over to the West, my friends. And again, I know there's a lot of hockey, but I will seriously repeat my point to please take in some of these West games. The races in the West have been really interesting and there's some fun stuff happening with these teams. I know there's a lot happening these first two weeks of the playoffs, but try not to just base an assessment on a stat line or a final score. Let's- get your coffee, get your tea. These are the series to watch. Like, I'm so tired of everyone being like, oh, that is too late. Shut up. It's the playoffs. Deal with it. Be fucking tired tomorrow. Watch the god- goddamn games. There's so many good ones. Okay, so let's start with the least interesting. <laughs> I feel like I know opinion. which series. Which one are you going? Are you going with the Dallas, Minnesota one? I am going yeah. with Dallas, Minnesota. I like I this series. I, okay, here we go. So here's the thing, <laughs> and we've talked about this. I always forget Dallas exists, even though I think they're a tremendously interesting and exciting team. And Minnesota is just boring. Anyway, Sarah, Minnesota, Dallas, which of our three parts of play are going to matter most? Offense, because uh, these teams in the past have had trouble scoring. And now you got Robertson. I am really excited to see what he can do against a team like Minnesota. Minnesota's going to need to score more goals, like point blank period. Shayna? Offense. You have two teams that are so tightly rated defensively. I think it's one of the closest, like, by the numbers. And then you have really strong back ends. The, the Wild have two good goalies. The Stars have Ottinger. Like, there's a lot to like there, but offense is the difference. You have two teams with hot power plays. You have the Stars, who used to be a one-line team, team only, and they've really built on that versus the Wild, who lack offensively consistently. Um um, and then you factor in the fact that they're missing Eric Sinek. 
So their center depth is even weaker. That's going to, you know, challenge them. The Wild finally had two lines clicking. You had Kaprizov's line and Boldy's line. And now without Eric Sinek, you have to wonder how the Boldy line is going to like fare in the postseason versus the Stars who actually have three lines that can produce offensively. Like that, I feel like has to be the difference maker. So for those reasons, I am going to go with goaltending. I think that Flower is still a player who can steal a game. Um, Ottinger, we've seen what he can do too. And I do kind of love those narratives for both of those players, especially. So I'm going to go goaltending in that series. Sarah, your pick for the winner and the number of games is? Dallas and six. I do think the spread out scoring has really been a difference for them this year. And I think they will continue it. Shayna. Dallas in seven. I am also going to go Dallas, but in six, I think. That's where I'm going. All right. Boring hockey aside, sorry, we love you. Uh, Let's start to get into some spice. And we have Seattle traveling literally as we record almost to Colorado for their first playoff appearance. It was announced that while Colorado expects to have players like Kale McCarr back, that Gabriel Landeskog, who has missed the entire season, is not going to be seen at all um, in this campaign, but they've been doing it without him. So we'll see how much that matters. Seattle at Colorado, first playoffs against defending Stanley Cup champs. Shayna, what part of the game matters most to you? This is a really tough one because they're like, I feel like there's two very clear ways you can go. I'm going to go offense because for me, when I look at the forward groups too, in particular, I go, it is the matter of star power against depth scoring, which one, you know, runs away with it. Generally speaking in the playoffs, it's all about the top of the lineup. Yes, it helps to have, you know, uh, four scoring lines, right? Like everybody talks about that, but it's like the top of the lineup tends to be the difference maker. So let's see. If Seattle, this is, it's such a good test for them. I love this matchup because I really, it's the question we want to know. We want to see answered. Can a team with four scoring lines with a ton of scores, you know, move ahead of a team with star power? And here you go. Perfect team to do it against. So I think that's the difference, especially when you get to like the power play aspect of it. Seattle's power play has struggled and the Avalanche have one of the best power plays around. Sarah, we forgot to mention that Andre Burakovsky is definitely out, most likely, for the beginning of the playoffs for Seattle. So that's a piece of star power missing for them. What part of the game is going to matter most to you for this series? Yeah, that's a huge bummer for them, especially what he's done in postseasons past. I think goaltending. Goaltending. What do the Kraken really have? And... With a young team that is so high scoring and so fun, I, I just feel like it's going to go in the other direction where they're going to have to just make sure that they can keep it in line there. Love that. All right. Uh, I am actually going to go look at us rounding out the whole picture. I'm going to go <laughs> defense um, because to Shana's point, I think that the Kraken have to defend against not just high star power, but they also have to defend against such an active and offensively minded and effective back end. Um, in the defense. So it's going to be defense in terms of what color Colorado can create from there. And then also Seattle having to defend against all of those weapons. Uh, this is one series where I'm going to abstain from my picks, but you two do not get that privilege. Sarah, who wins this series? Oh, I really don't know. I think this is the hardest one for me. I have no gut feeling at all, but I'm going to have to say, I think I keep saying different things on every single thing. I know, I do <laughs> I'm going to say Avalanche in seven. Okay. Shayna? I do love like the revenge series for Grubauer. And I think that he's taken so much shit and he's better than like, he's so much better than this, but I still am going to go Colorado and I think it takes six games. But like, I like the idea of the crack and disrupting things mm-hmm. and who better to do that against 
versus like the reigning champions. We know the curse of losing in round one after winning. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Well, um, obviously I have bias, so I cannot make a pick, um, but we will see how that goes. All right, my friends, the series that we all wanted to see, maybe not this soon, but it's part one of the many revenge tours that are happening in the West. And this is LA at Edmonton, seven games. Edmonton has just been a buzzsaw since the trade deadline. LA has basically taken the steps in the offseason and at the deadline to counter the lessons they learned after falling to Edmonton last season. Sarah, Kings, Oilers, what is going to matter most? Y'all have to watch the YouTube. The looks are priceless. I think defense for both teams. But I mean, the Kings addressed their defensive deficiencies. So did Edmonton, honestly. I think they both did a good job of doing that, but it's still, will it be enough? I don't know, but both of them have had historically problems this season with defense. So I I do think seeing which side prevails, because we all know McDavid's going to do his thing, whether anybody likes it or not. Nobody can prevent that. So offense doesn't count. I just think defense is key here. Shayna, your pick. I'm going to agree with defense because it's not about how you stop Conrad David. You're not doing that. And especially not when it gets to the playoffs. We saw what he did last year and he's been, you know, he's riding into the postseason on an even better regular season. But for the Kings, it's how do you contain that? And their answer is Anze Kopitar and Philip Deneau. You match him up one, two against, uh, you know, our friend Leon Dreisaitl and see how it fares. And, you know, Kopitar's having an outstanding season on both ends of the ice. He's really bounced back. So, you know, I won't be surprised if he's taking on McDavid. So it's going to be interesting to see, one, how LA defends. They got better at the deadline, like you said, and so did the Oilers. So it's it's a little bit more interesting. But it's how do you defend and stay disciplined if you're LA? Because you can't put that power play, you can't give them any chance. And how does Edmonton manage if they don't get as many power plays? So I think that's like the key to the series. I love the discipline point. That's going to be huge. Um, I'm going to go goaltending, um, mainly because we know it was such a question mark for the Kings. And they did go get Jonas Corposalo, who is great, but has been a little bit up and down. Now he can go on a heater, as we saw in the bubble playoffs. But um, we're going to see that versus Skinner, who is um, obviously going to be the runner-up to Maddie Beneers for the Calder. <laughs> but um, we'll see uh, how those two things shake out against particularly an Edmonton Oilers stacked offense. Uh, Sarah, your pick for the winner. Which team survives this series part dieu? It's a reverse of last year. Kings in seven. Ooh. Wow. Shayna. I just think they have the vibes. Yeah, I love the idea of the Kings as a disruptor. It feels like there's like a lot of potential, but I have to go Oilers in seven. I feel like they actually had a good deadline and they actually did the right things that it should in theory pay off for them. I'm here for me- the peak heartbreak possible. So I'm going Kings in five. Oh my God, that would be so spicy. I would be so here for it. Mika did pick the Kings to win it all. So let's see what she has. She's never done a bracket before. I know it's a big, deb- her rookie campaign could be huge. Yeah. She could be our Calder. She could <laughs> win. Our Calder. Duke <laughs> won in her sophomore season. She picked the Blues. So I give, and she had the Canes in the final four. So like she knew something. Mika didn't even know what she was doing. So we'll see. But But the vibes could be, she could be just connected. And yeah. understand. She yeah. could know. I, I yeah. liked her decisiveness. I saw from the videos and the pictures I saw, it looked like she had no worry. She was direct and to the point in her, in it her was choices. Very different. She knows pause. She knows sit. She can kind of do lay down. She does not know stay. We have not gotten to stay yet. So Rich actually had to hold her in place until I put the treats down. We let her go. But she, like Zook and Kona, had patterns on which direction they were going. See? She was just everywhere. No, no. 
She was Hold not everywhere. She it did was, not default. Exactly. To I love she it. was like, let's go. I picked, she picked the leaves. She picked the devil. She picked the cane. She, she really went outside the box. And Zuka Kona watched over her like this fucking idiot. Hey, 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 hey. My little Mika. It, right. was, it was cute. It was cute. But they're judgy. You know, if, you, if people don't know what we're talking about, go check out Shayna's Twitter. She has her dogs pick a bracket every year. And it's a delight. All right. Uh, we have one more series to get to. Sarah, you are up first. And this is... The Winnipeg Jets, who had been atop the central. Wait, almost- hold on. We have a bit of news. What? Philip Gustafson looks to be making his first career playoff start for the Wild. What? Interesting. He's been, he's been excellent when he's played. And this is, I feel like he could have his Jake Ottinger moment and really break out. But it's, you look at what the Wild did last year. They went flurry when maybe they shouldn't have. When exactly. Talbot, I think, earned that. And then they switched too late. I'm really interested at this. I'm here this for is, this. This is intriguing. We're here for the vibes. All right. One last series to pick. Wow, that has me shook. Uh, Winnipeg, who had we been- We need a breaking bit of news every episode. Come on. We're probably going to have it. Uh, Winnipeg, uh, who limped in after being so strong early, is going to go up against the Vegas Golden Knights, who seemingly just defy the odds every time. Mark Stone looking to be back. They're operating at full potency in all three areas of play. It does seem it's impressive, impressive stuff. Sarah, which of the three parts of hockey is going to matter most in Jets versus Vegas? Goaltending. I mean, you got Hellebuck, you got quick and co and i think maybe quick i just see him coming in and maybe i don't know how much he's going to play or what, what the deal is there but i just see him like having the the heart for one last little go around then you got hellebuck who could be a vesna contender friend of the pod we love yes him. yes and he has excellent vibes so i think in a way like both teams need to score more Obviously, but in a way that means the golden is more important. Jaina, this is a tough one. Um, I'm gonna go offense. When we wrote the previews, I really looked deep into the numbers and I felt like the Jets are the team I projected to be like the weakest link of the entire postseason. And I was surprised to see just how closely they rank to the Golden Knights. And it's almost in every category. Like they're similar in expected goals, but then the difference is actual goals. They're similar in this, but like every little area, there's something that separates them. And it feels like offense is the biggest difference between the two. Actually, no goaltending is, I lied. But offense is a big difference <laughs> between the two. And it's going to go up against two different goalies. Like you have the revenge series of Versois because he's starting like already then versus Hellenbach who can like steal a series. But if you have Mark Stone and you have three forward lines clicking that's going to bring the golden knights advantage up i think a lot more they're really good off the rush but they can also you know grind it out and the jets don't have as much dimension to their offense so i think that's going to be the problem for them and they have some weaknesses against rush-based offense so i think that's an opening for vegas there too so vegas can play to their strengths and their offensive peak i think that they'll do enough to test Hellenbuck to take the series I'm going to go goaltending, I think. And again, it's because friend of the pod, Connor Hellebuck, has just been elite. And we just think he's great um, up against that Vegas offense. And then the company approach, as Sarah said, you don't necessarily know who's going to start in goal any one given game. This is one of the few teams that I think could end up breaking the narrative of you ride one goaltender the entire postseason. So I'm going to go goaltending in this one as well. Sarah, your pick for the winner between Winnipeg and Vegas and the number of games. 
Vegas and six. The Jets might try. They just like don't have. They it can't to take me. off. Yeah, they're not. It's a water landing once again. Shayna. Yeah, I think it's going to be Vegas in six. If it goes seven, I think Helen Buck changes things up. I'm going to say six. I'm going to go Vegas in five. How about them apples? Yes. All right. We end every episode with our favorite game, and that is Fuck, Mary Kill. Today for Fuck, Mary Kill, we are looking at three dark horse candidates to win it all and hoist the Stanley Cup at the end of four rounds of play. Sarah, I'm going to have you go first. Fuck, Mary Kill, these three teams in terms of their ability to be the dark horse of the 2023 NHL playoffs, the Isles, the Jets, the Panthers. Hit it. I'm marrying the Islanders because that would be so much fun and it would make me be even more correct than I was when I said they're getting into the playoffs despite everybody else roasting me. And I'd love to see a good goalie cook, you know? Um, I'm fucking the Panthers because that's great for our podcast, great for the show. We love that. And I'd love to hear Dan Levitar talk more about the Panthers and be forced to talk about hockey. And I am killing the Jets because it's just, they throw each other under the bus. There's not strong leadership. I'm just not feeling it. Shayna. Yeah, I'm fully agreeing. The Jets to me, one, don't have enough dimension to the accountability between the players. I don't think the coaching has the answers. Um, it feels like they backed in and they got really lucky that no one else was that good in the West. So I will kill them. I will fuck the Panthers. I think it would be so it sucks for Boston because they've had an incredible year, but it would be so interesting to see the best of the best get like disrupted around one. Like that's the chaos we all create, right? Then it really opens up the postseason. And I think that there's something to the vibes, like their forward group brings and all that kind of stuff. We'll marry the Islanders. The Islanders, first of all, Shesterkin and Sorokin are so similar. Like you have Shesterkin carrying the Rangers three rounds. We saw that it's very similar. And now the Islanders actually have like the defense to back up the goaltending a little bit more than the Rangers did um, last year. So I think that can help them. And this is a team that it's like, get them to the playoffs and see what can happen every single year. Watch them go to the Eastern conference final, watch them grind it out and play that like heavy hockey style that they have while still bringing offensive pop with guys like Horvat Barzell and now Engvall. I really think that they're a team to watch this postseason. I think for just the second time ever in too many men history, we are all three in Agreement. Sarah is shocked. She is shocked. Yes, I I agree. I actually think that of these three, the Isles are the most complete team. And I like how they've gone about kind of shoring up their attack for the season and then battling back as only Sarah truly predicted, as we know, um, I think that would be the best story. The Panthers would be fun. um, And I do enjoy hearing Dan Levitard have to talk about hockey. Um, And I just, I don't To Sarah's point, I don't love how this team is going in. I don't feel like they want it together. I don't feel like they're pulling for each other. And I do think that matters in playoff uh, season play when it's not about trends. You don't have 82 games to define who you are. You have to define who you are minute to minute. And I just don't think this group is looking to define themselves as winners. Um, There's too much else going on. So there we go. They just can't come together through the turbulence. They don't have it in them. Good job, Shana. I'm proud Thank of you. you. Good job. I'm really working. I'm, I'm I know. I'm taking notes from how you do it. Um, so you know, I'm just I'm just trying to learn here. I I'm listening, that. I'm learning. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> All right, my friends. Uh, don't forget that you can follow us on social. We are at two underscore much 
underscore man on both Instagram and Twitter. We'd love to connect with you there. We usually end every episode with me asking you to do something to make sure hockey is for everyone. And so I'd like to end this episode with a tribute to an important member of the Seattle Kraken and Seattle hockey community, Andy Ide, who we lost this past week after he suffered a stroke actually at a Kraken game in March Um, Andy personifies the value of hard work. He personifies chasing your dream. This is someone who never studied to be a journalist, but loved hockey so much and found and made his place. And I feel like when you have a successful hockey community, you always have someone like Andy who loves the game and recognizes its importance and fosters it and champions it at every level, be it junior hockey, be it women's hockey, be it pro hockey. And he will sorely, sorely be missed. Uh, We are all luckier for having known him or been able to use his work. Please help live on his legacy, doing something to make sure this game thrives in all areas and that it includes all who want to be a part. We will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.